BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I always say that like about Danzig, like everyone's like, Danzig is mean. I'm like, why would you want a nice Danzig? That would suck. <laughs> Welcome to Last Words here in the pit. I'm Jordan Olds from Two Minutes to Late Night. I'm Katie Rosari with Season of Mist and Loudwire.com. And I am Doc Coyle from the band Bad Wolves and also the host of the X-Men podcast. And this week, we have a very special guest, the lead singer of the hardcore band War and Women and also author Shauna Potter. What's up, dude? Hey, hey, thanks so much for having me. I miss you. I mean, I don't know. Like, I've seen you more than most of the people because we've done a actually, ton of covers Actually, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually tired of you. I was just trying yeah. to be nice. Get off the show. <laughs> You're out of here. So what's going on, dude? How are you? Uh, what are you doing in the demic? The weird thing with the band is we were actually wrapping up recording a new record when all of these shutdowns started happening. We were finishing before we were supposed to go and tour with Bad Religion, which never happened, unfortunately. Um, Damn. But we were able to wrap it up and when it was starting to get like, oh, we're not supposed to see each other in the same room anymore. Phew, well, at least it's just time for vocals now. So that's very, that's isolating. So that's fine. I feel lucky that we were able to start and finish uh, before all this. Uh, and hopefully something's coming out this fall we'll just see no, nothing official yet to talk about but new album to get <laughs> fucking angry about march in the streets with hopefully <laughs> i would expect it to sound angry that's also <laughs> the bad religion tour that was that was going to be a big tour for you guys and yeah no, is there plan i mean hopefully yeah um, is there Plans yeah to I, reschedule it i really i i hope so i think it's that thing where everyone knows there's you can't make any real plans right now, honestly. Mm. And you can like hope for something, but um, for me mentally, it actually affects me more negatively if we keep planning and postpone, planning, postpone, planning. Like I'd rather just be like, I'm not gonna think about it. We're not gonna think about playing until it feels like it's actually safe. I don't wanna put anyone at risk and I don't wanna get my hopes up and not be able to last throughout this marathon that has no set ending, you know? Totally. So, yeah, so there's still a lot of merch sitting around uh, in my closet. So feel free to grab some more on women merch right now that was meant to be sold on that Bad Religion tour back in March. Well, well, first, first Shauna, I kind of like to go full Tucker Carlson and just say, oh, shit. I would presuppose that there's actually a war on white men. Oh, cool. So get off of the call um, and we'll finish <laughs> up here. No, no, I'm, well, I'm, doing, I'm doing Tucker. <laughs> That's not me. That's Tucker. Oh, okay. That <laughs> yeah, so, so there's just some people saying. Some people say it. That's all. <laughs> Look, are you going to buy my merch or not? Okay. Oh, I'm buying it now. I have to. <laughs> you have to. They missed the, the the whole Tucker Carlson bit. They didn't know it was performative. <laughs> well, fuck now. We got to buy a lot. We got to buy hoodies. That's worth it. <laughs> you owe me. We're at, buy, we're, we're at $35 
At least. At least. Yeah, that's at one least. half of a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> so Spencer from Periphery this week uh, mentioned that it's pretty much impossible to make money uh, when you're in a metal band and you got to do it just because you love it. In this situation, I'm assuming you agree. Uh, yeah, like Dodoy. Yeah, I, it's certainly, <laughs> uh, it's not just metal. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I read that and I was like, you mean a band? Is that what you mean? <laughs> you mean a band that isn't Coldplay or Green Day or something that rhymes with A? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's tough. Honestly, the only people I know that make a living off of it, they all have jobs when they get home. They've been doing it for so long. There's some sort of legacy act and they have some fucking infamous logo that sells in the back of every magazine on a shirt. You know, like every every kid needs that black flag shirt or for example, that's a terrible example, but you know what I mean? So we're not that band at this point um, with that one infamous shirt that everyone has to own for cred. Um, but no, that's like, actually, you know, the only other people I know that make a little bit of a better living off of it, uh, like Baltimore obviously has like a huge and amazing like hip hop and rap community. Mm -hmm. And I feel like every time we've had a show where we we stack the bill, you know, we always like to do like the super diverse uh, genre wise bills, um, especially when it's our show and we're in control of who gets to play. Like we want to represent all of Baltimore. Um, I found that like there's such a difference between like my DIY punk background and like hip hop and rap and because they're like, fuck you, pay me, you know, like in the best way, in the absolute best way. And like punks are like, um, please, sir, may I have cold spaghetti, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and we just we we don't know what we're worth. We'll never fight for anything because if you make any money at all then you're a fucking sellout. And, and it's just weird that there's still these weird hangups about your work being worth something. And I think you start to shed that idea of a sellout when you have to start to pay for shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when you actually have rent or mortgage or a kid or pets or uh, you need a new van to go on tour, like then you're like, oh, maybe we should start asking for something right. instead of just hoping for the best. Or the cold spaghetti. That's a real thing that happened. That's why I keep going to that. Mentally. Sorry. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> so props, props to them. Mile. But yeah, the rest of us, uh, you know, the rest of us are hurting. There is absolutely no way that I know of, unless you fucking blow up, which is like one in a billion chance. That's the biggest thing is that I notice is that I think um, much like uh, our our actual like economy and wage gap, the successful musicians are more successful than ever, but there's fewer of them. They just get yes. all of the money and then there's just tons. There's no middle level really anymore because there totally isn't- You're right, the 1%. Yeah, there's 1% of successful musicians and it's just like, to make money in the industry, you have to treat it really like a business. Do the song yes. format. You got to have woes in the a chorus that's only woes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of odd because um, you guys are talking about this, this this mythical bands that blow up and make money off metal. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. I'm literally one of the biggest metal bands in the world right now. <laughs> so I got number one songs on the radio. I get, you know, I'm, you know, and I can make, I could just live off my band if I wanted to. Yeah? Yes. But I'm in, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if you know my band Bad Wolves, but 
I'm in a really big band. I'm not the main dude in the band. I'm not the head guy. But um, you pay him more or something? <laughs> well, no, it's just, uh, you know, I don't want to get into the to the business of it. But, you know, it's, you know, some people make some people make more. Okay. Um, and that's just how it goes sometimes. But what Spencer's kind of talking about could be perceived a lot of ways because it's all comes into what are your expectations and what what do you kind of think is an actual norm that previously existed that somehow you are opting into because I think there is a bit of some mythology about this you know f far forgotten time when you could just be in a band and make a living and I think to some degree that was true but I think it was actually just a bubble I think we had this bubble from like 1975 to like 2005 where there was a record buying industry that kind of supplemented you could be some band that has one hit song and all of a sudden you could buy a house and you could put some money away you know the record industry is only 100 years old okay recorded music as a thing is only 100 years old we cannot look at these trends and kind of say well this is what you're supposed to do so i think you know i can kind of agree with so much shauna said there about Yes, could I live off my band? Yes, but if you basically want to live a certain lifestyle, you have to do more. And I think there's a this kind of idea that all they, this dream, I think when we all start doing bands that I'm gonna just make records and tour and that's gonna be my life. Yes, there's the, you know, the Slayers and the Metallicas and you know, the, the Iron Maidens and and those handful of bands that achieve that, and kudos to them, but it is, I wouldn't even use 1%, I think it's the 1% of 1% right. of working bands, not right. even of all bands, because you got, most bands never make, spend money just to be in a band, you got a very, very small percentage that break even, and then even the small percentage that make any profit, let alone enough to live, live off of. The truth is the dudes in Periphery, they are very smart, they're business savvy, and they want to roll a certain way. They want to be in a bus. They want to have a full light show. They want to have a full crew. And so when you do that. Uh, well, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, that's how they roll. I just want and to sleep on an actual bed that's on a bed frame. Just want a bed. <laughs> I've seen their ticket sales. They do well, but they also want to roll at a certain level and they don't want to live broke. You know what I'm saying? You can make, right. you can live if you just sleep in the van and then go live in a, you know, shitty apartment, but they want to live well. If you want to live, that's the thing is that's the kind of caveat. It's not can't make a living. It's that I want to live middle or upper middle class lifestyle and be in a successful band. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And yes, you have to be, you got to sell signature guitars and do lesson videos and do sponsorships. And you know, like me, I do multimedia, you know, stuff as well. So I think you have to be creative, but I think it's always kind of been that way unless you just happen to get, you know, be an Aerosmith in 1972 and yeah. get on the ride, you know? So I don't know. That's, that's a long answer, but I think this topic is that big. And I've spent half my time as a writer and podcaster kind of tackling this one issue. So it's really big for me. Hmm. No, it's right. really complicated and nuanced. And we, yeah, we, we can't probably for anything asked today, we can't just give it two sentences and actually sum it up. So let's just go for the jokes instead. How about yeah, that? This just yeah. is just a big issue for me. Like I could go on for hours. It's about adapting and evolving because the industry is evolving. It's a young industry for sure. And that is a big piece of it is like, well, 
physical the physical media of it is not going to make any more money uh, for you. So you got to well, and now neither is touring. So like, right. what do you do? I've seen so many people, artists, musicians, try to adapt right now. And so then what do we have? We just have a thousand live streams we're supposed to watch every day. One, I don't want to watch a thousand live streams every day. I don't want to participate and play shittily, uh, separated from the rest of my band. Like how many times can Warren Women play acoustic for a fundraiser and it be interesting? Twice? <laughs> that's it. And so we, so I already did it. Actually, I can't do it anymore. We already did it twice. That's, that's enough. And so, you know. yeah, see, for me, I look at it definitely from the business side as well. And you, maybe you're better off without a manager, you know, you're paying that person a certain percentage. Maybe that's money you need on your own. Um, and not for every band, certain ones on a certain level. You really want this one video person just because they're a name, but maybe you could have found someone comparable if you had asked or listen to someone else who would have been half the budget. So I think bands need to be careful with foolish expenses and it sucks. It definitely sucks because we should be making money. And it's not just the bands, it's the crew, the bus driver, it's whoever it is, it's the merch person, it's everyone who puts this entire band and their package together because it's never just the band. There's always one yeah, yeah. to multiple other entities depending on where you're at. And I think just being smart about what you need what role can you in the band take on? Is someone in your band responsible enough to be their own manager? Great, you're saving money that way. Uh, is someone in your band responsible enough or, uh, or you guys responsible enough to split the driving and come up with a good schedule so that you guys are refreshed and you could do it? Great, you cut expenses there. And it sucks at the same time because now it trickles down to the other people who are doing these jobs. But you know what, now maybe it makes room for them to do jobs with a band that might be able to have more money and pay them more. Like It's just a weird pecking order and it sucks and you gotta play your cards right. Um, but what I do also want to say is I notice a fair amount of greed in certain instances. Like for now, I, I'm sure we've all seen the headlines about Spotify and the CEO being like, bands get paid enough. It's like, sure, maybe a band like Metallica does, but what about, a, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, what about a band like War on Women? You know, what, like, like Doc, I'm sure you're making royalties from Bad Wolves, but what about God Forbid? There's certain amount of... Actually, God Forbid has a great... We, because we signed our deal before all this digital stuff existed, we actually, Godfrey gets 50% of our streaming money. Wow. But, the but the problem is we're so unrecouped to Century Media, like to the tune of $300,000 that it's barely making a dent. But it is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, Take the small wins, right? But yeah, and like Live Nation, same thing. They're just like, okay, we're taking this, we're doing this. And uh, so I think it's just, it sucks because... Uh, this industry definitely has a lot of arms, like a hydra, you know, and, and you lose one and then two more spout out and, or, or heads rather. And maybe that head is going to help you, but maybe it's going to hurt you. It's just, it's a weird, complicated web and really the best advice I could give. And again, you still got to work hard. It's still not about instant gratification. You still got to, but the best is just to be smart with your money because I see more bands spending money to be a band than they're making money to be a band because mm -hmm. they're just not being smart with their decisions. I was actually talking about that the other day with someone, how, uh, how much privilege is involved with being in a touring band that doesn't make a lot of money. Like you have to have some sort of safety net to take the risks and go out and buy the merch in advance and pay for the van and whatever and, and come back and be broke or break even and be able to go back to your job and 
and still pay the rent. Like there's so much privilege involved. And that's, I, I wish I had an answer for that of like, how do you get rid of like trust fund bans? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like how do we give more opportunities for more disenfranchised populations that don't have that safety net to make art that is also valuable? Like, I don't know. I think there's actually opportunity in, um, in kind of lack, you know, like for example, oh, sure. it, hip hop, only exists because the, they had the tools that were available to them, right? It was like, oh, I got this record player over here. I don't have a guitar, but I have the, maybe we get this sampler. And it's like, in a way, when you don't have certain things, it makes you, um, you know, it makes you more inventive and more, and more creative. People with advantages will always be people with advantages. It's not about necessarily uh, getting over on that. But I've seen this, you know, especially moving to LA. Listen, there are the quote unquote trust fund bands, you cannot buy fans. You just can't. You can get, <laughs> you know, I've seen bands, yeah. I, listen, there are bands I know that are literally funded by like billionaires, like real, but the thing is you can buy up. Can, can you, do you have their number? Uh, <laughs> no compromises. I'm, I'm happy to have a dinner, maybe get a drink. See where it goes, you know? <laughs> Even beyond that, you're out here, it'll be some like, you know, some Sultan's daughter who's like wants to be a pop star and they can spend hundreds of thousands on the recording, on the video, on, you know, buying social media followers, but you can't actually make people like you. You know, there is kind of a thing of doing something that just kind of clicks, you know? But I think this time, and I think this ties into the whole Spotify question is like, this is the time for bands to and artists to innovate and start to say, okay, in many ways, touring is inefficient. It's expensive. It's time consuming. It grinds you down. Maybe there are other ways we can expose ourselves. Maybe there's other ways we can figure out how to create music and, and do things. So I think there's, there's always opportunity in crises to a certain degree. And, and we all have to be rethinking what's the best way to get out there. I feel that. Yep. I just wish that my mental health <laughs> was in a place where I wanted to be creative. Yeah, I hear innovate. you. I, I hear just you. can't. I don't know how anyone's doing it right now. It's tough. I think it's a, you know, listen, I'm in a very fortunate position. I'm in that, you know, uh, fortunate position, but it's because the band spent three, four years building to this point. But I can't imagine if we were a brand new band trying to launch, I think it would be that much more difficult. Well, speaking of bands having to hustle and do what they can to make money right now, Cradle Filth is launching a line of tea. I'm used to tea having like a bear on it that's like getting into bed. Like that's <laughs> usually what I want when I'm going for tea. Yeah, you don't have enough goth friends in your life. We as a people like to just hang out with our cats and sip tea. It's a real thing. It's I know it sounds like I'm making that up, but I swear it's a phenomenon that really occurs. So it actually makes perfect sense. Like. I really am more of a tea drinker than a coffee drinker for the most part. So I'm like, so stoked on this. This is the first band tea I've heard of. Has anyone heard of another one? I, I haven't, but I, I say, so I, I had the good fortune of doing Cradle Phil's first ever US tour in 2001, opening up for him. So we got to know him pretty well. They've had a lot of band changeover, but what makes this perfect is they and Danny specifically, they're, they're unabashedly British. You know, and I think that's what's my favorite kind of Brit. And there's also, you know, he's, you know, he's got a little bit of that classy, you know, regal, you know, uh, kind of 
tipping the wine, you know, Ooh, yeah. around, you know, so uh, I think... Oh, it, yes, I am in a heavy metal band. That's right. <laughs> you know, we oh. play the rock and roll every now, every, every, every fortnight. I, I love it. I, you know, because every band has a coffee or a hot sauce or a beer. Every band except War and Women. Somebody call me. I like beer <laughs> also. And so I actually think, talking about innovation, I think that that's a good way to be like, well, here's this other thing. Like, maybe War and Women should do, like, cookies or something pickles <laughs> i don't know what's pickles yeah make your own pickles we have done that <laughs> every romantic comedy i watch for some reason the, the the female protagonist always owns like a cupcake shop so maybe that's the move there is a place in asbury park it's not owned by a metal band or anything um it's called purple glazed donuts and they actually do the metal donut of the week so they'll have like the behemoth donut or they'll yeah. have like a Bark at the Moon Donut. So there is also an audience for Metal Donuts. I will like to say, like, I love seeing random stuff, like the pickles idea. Like there is, um, I believe, Kelly's Death Pickles, they're called. And they <laughs> do merch for, uh, or do pickles and relish, and do relish for Withered and a bunch of other bands. And then, um, I don't know if you guys remember last year, speaking of Behemoth, they did a dog food, which what? missed the mark. They should have done a cat food. Because most people <laughs> have, have cats, except for George. This is true as hell. Yeah. Metal people, oh you love a cat. I always thought forever, I was like a dog person. I thought everyone was going to like have like a cool dog. Nope. All of you have cats. All of you have things just shitting in rooms <laughs> of your house all the time. Again, not something specific to metal, but yeah. Right. For sure. <laughs> I poop my cat's poop regularly. <laughs> I didn't eat. Here's the thing. I forgot that Cradle of Filth was British. Uh, they look like the Borg from Star Trek. I don't even put that together. But it's really funny that they off stage are just like posh and British and they want tea. They want a crump. They want a biscuit. Just when you see just like the real people behind yes. uh, like gigantic metal personas. Like there are people who are exactly themselves on stage. But then there are people who are like beasts. Like it is really funny that like, yeah, like Nurgle from Behemoth likes acupuncture and yoga and makes dog food. Like that's what he wants to do. Like he, j he wants to have a nice haircut <laughs> and, and do a yoga I've never heard of. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Do you guys have like a favorite, like uh, big personas, real persona? I definitely have a few. Gaul in particular comes to mind. Oh my God, he's, my favorite. He's extremely kind, such a gentleman. And he just likes to sip wine and make wholesome art and, mm -hmm. you know, hang out with his partner. And, and, and he's just so docile and, and kind. And it's like, you wouldn't think, especially because he's, he's so notorious, but he's really just a, a chill, nice, polite dude. My favorite Gaul story is I was drinking wine out of a paper cup, like a coffee cup. And I insisted I was fine. He insisted that I drink it out of a glass and got me a wine glass. So that, like, that's the kind of person he is. And then Sockus from Rotting Christ, one of the sweetest people, I, most polite, humble. And it's like you think Rotting Christ are so scary. It's like he's so chill. Uh, don't judge a book by its cover for sure, because most of these people are just complete teddy bears. They'd probably be upset that I said this publicly. Julian from <laughs> Benighted, another one. He is the craziest lyrics you will ever hear in your life and they're like terrifying same thing big teddy bear it's like so many of these people who like the scarier they seem on the surface the sweeter they are on the inside mostly 
Because they have an outlet. That's what I think. True. Like an actual healthy outlet for anger. I'm a much healthier person when I get to scream on stage. <laughs> like when I first got into music, I realized that like most, I think I stuck working in metal because I was like, everyone's so chill and nice in a metal band. And then like, you know, singer songwriter types, there's way more dickheads over there. <laughs> like they can't, they have, they, they have to like fake being soft. So they're like pen up and they oh, man. Kick shit out on people. It's awful. I never thought about the inverse. You're totally right. <laughs> Yeah, I have a very counterpoint. I I actually think that is the norm because and I think that actually is a downside for metal. I think the the most interesting people are the ones who live it 24/7 and there's no like difference. You know, like the like like when you meet someone like, "Oh, oh, they're the real deal." Like this is not like you hang out with the dudes from Watane, you're like, "Oh yeah, these motherfuckers aren't playing around." Uh Seth from Behemoth that dude is, you know, one of the most intense dudes I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, you, you meet someone, you're like, okay, these dudes are not, oh, don't, you thought those was lyrics. No, 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 no. This is the autobiography, <laughs> all right? So you meet some of these rappers, it's like, it's like, yo, I just got from the dope house, all right? I'm making my rounds and I go to the concert, you know? That's real. Doc just wants to hang out with Harley Flanagan. Like, that's... Listen, I'm not saying I want to hang out with them, but I respect it, right? Like, oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like I was like I had this dream, right? I, I did download festival one year and Guns N' Roses was headlining, and all I wanted to do was get punched in the face by Axl Rose. You know, yeah. you know yeah. like there, like there's some I said this. There's some rock stars if I meet, I don't want them to be nice to me. I want them to be a dick just for me, me even being in their vicinity. Just say, get out, just get out of here, you peon. I don't know you and slap me. In- I always say that like about Danzig, like everyone's like Danzig is mean. I'm like, why would you want a nice Danzig? <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> so for me, I think uh, Marilyn Manson falls in that category where I met him once briefly and I was genuinely terrified of him. And he just looked at me very intensely and I was wearing like these Illuminati earrings and he just goes, nice earrings. And then just keeps walking. And I mean, even though, of course, the exchange was nice, he was polite, I'm still terrified of him. And I think I always want to be terrified of him. Like, I don't want to meet him and get like Alice Cooper. I want to meet him and get like scary. <laughs> no, he's no, he's the real. That's what I'm saying. Man's yeah. one of the last real deal people, which is why he has transcended rock and metal and all this and that he's an icon because like, he lives that shit day to day. I have a story. I got to do two shows at Manson just uh, last October. And, oh. and you know what? You know what? If, you, if your boy, if I would have had the right, you know, accoutrement at my disposal, I would have had a, I, I could have had a moment, man. But he- I know what you're talking he, about. He dipped in the dressing room. <laughs> he asked me. I could not- help him and he moved on and I was like god damn it I could have been I could have had my Manson moment I mean we're talking about modern day Marilyn Manson he has a brand new song uh we are chaos it is uh it sounds I it sounds like major chord Marilyn Manson it sounds <laughs> he sounds like Marilyn Manson Marilyn Manson has had the same look since like like mob scene came out yes, and I think he's right. got a evolve it a little like he needs another level because at this point like his like chin is now a part of his neck and like his hair is 
He found his look, I guess. He finally found it. He tried and he, and, he, and he got there. Well, he looks like, you know, you could just draw his face uh, like on your finger. And I know that that's true because. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why does it look like Hitler? Oh, my God. That's his lips. <laughs> Where's your mind? I, I listen. I didn't design his hairstyle. Oh my God! You know what's funny about that song that he just released? I don't know what the involvement is, but uh, Shooter Jennings mm-hmm. is involved. Waylon Jennings' son. Yes. Yeah. Um, that guy dated a friend of mine in high school. Oh, I know I, that guy. Oh. oh. Yeah, I went to high school in Nashville, and so there were definitely like just a lot of session players. Some people had famous dads. You know, he dated my friend who's actually the daughter of the person that wrote some huge Janis Joplin song. You know, it's a weird world down there. But he would like come hang out with us sometimes when they were dating and like, he's super nice. And he'd come to the studio and my band was recording and and we stayed with him when we were on tour in LA. And I think when he was in the Johnny Cash pick, I was like, oh yeah, so we're never gonna like catch up again. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, you're done slumming it with us norms you know like you are on your next level we're not gonna be like on facebook hey man how's it going <laughs> i haven't talked to you in a while so like that's over okay but i have like you know pictures of us hanging out at the park in nashville in like the late 90s it's super <laughs> so for that reason alone i'm like yay this song and then for every other reason i'm like i don't give a shit about this this is not for me <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Doc? I think it's the best song um, David Bowie never wrote, basically. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that is big. It, it immediately just sounded like David Bowie to me, just with like modern production. And and by the way, I, I saw Manson do a two-song acoustic set at this uh, charity event, the one with like Nirvana reunion with Beck and all that. Yeah. And I was like kind of blown away because I never perceived him as a singer. I always thought he was just like this screamer, kind of yeller guy. And he has really developed an awesome, tonally just interesting singing voice. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's surprisingly tuneful, you know, like, like you said, the kind of major key thing. But reminded me of Bowie. I think the video is fantastic. And, um, and he, I think he works with uh, that guy, Tyler Bates, who did the Bush thing. Did he do? Did Tyler Bates do this one or no? No, he did the last two albums, but he left after um, what was the name? Of the last album was uh, not the Pale Emperor, the one that came after it. Whatever the last album was, Heaven Upside Down. So he ran out of cocaine. Uh, Marilyn said, "We can't do it. We can't do it, Pimpin." Yeah, <laughs> Katie, you are the you are the biggest Manson fan of the bunch. This is for you. Like, how are you feeling right now? Uh, well, I have a lot of feelings and thoughts, and I'm I'm like really like psyched right now because doc just pointed out the bowie thing so kind of like the last two albums i feel he was doing more of this like disco era bowie kind of thing oh yeah i was like really digging that i'm not gonna lie that's the era of bowie i prefer that's the era of manson i prefer like mechanical animals my favorite manson album like that's the level i'm speaking on <laughs> but um Shooter Jennings came in. I don't know if he wrote it. I know he was producing it. I want to assume he probably is now filling the role of Tyler Bates and playing guitar. I felt the same way that this is now him still paying homage to Bowie, but in a different light. And Shooter Jennings released his own cover of David Bowie's Cat People, which featured Marilyn Manson. So I just feel it was a really strong statement that tied together. 
I'm not going to lie, like what he was doing the last two albums better. I don't know. I need to hear the full album really to decide if I'm enjoying the direction he's going now. He did just recently do two cover songs, two other cover songs with Shooter Jennings. He did a Doors cover of The End, which has since disappeared off of all streaming services. So I assume that's going to just... It's the Russians. It might be. I'm going to talk about it, guys. And um, he did a Johnny Cash cover. And both of those I actually think I like more than I like this single. So it's, I gotta, I don't know if it needs to grow on me. The video was fantastic though. Also kind of showcased a different side of Manson that he hasn't really like this uh, more artsy Salvador Dali kind of thing. I really, I, I dug. So, so c- can I, can I pitch something to you guys? To you guys? Yeah. Real quick. Okay. Um, Shooter Coil. Um, no, but what if, <laughs> I do it, but I don't, but I speak about myself in the third person. Right, listen, what Shooter Coil needs to do <laughs> is put out a country album, all right? And what Shooter oh, Coil okay. gets done is going to be platinum. Okay. But do I have to do it in a, in a Southern accent? Listen, yes. shoot, Shooter yes. Coil here, all right? What I'm going to do is do a few more tracks with Marilyn Manson, then work on my solo album. And I feel like I'm doing like- It's so close, but no. <laughs> You're trying so hard, and I commend you for that. Shooter Coil here, and here's going to be. Sorry, y'all. Y'all ain't from Nashville, I guess. <laughs> Coil misses 100% of the shots he doesn't take, okay? <laughs> yeah. All right. So somebody give a Shooter a call, because I'm not friends with him anymore, and uh, <laughs> pitch Doc, you know? Get them together. Let's make this happen. We're all trying too hard. All right, we'll work on it. <laughs> Sounds pretty good to me. So I, I actually almost tweeted this yesterday, but I have this theory that the most shocking thing now, so back in the day, it was like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, rip up the Bible or going to, you know, drink, you know, bat's blood on stage or something, or even like, you know, NWA and like Cop Killer and all that stuff was like, I think, shock rock of, of its day. Now, I think the most shocking thing you could do is actually be like a MAGA person. I think that's like the thing that gets the most controversy, but I was thinking about it, but the thing that it lacks, right, is that like Trump is is fundamentally uncool. So even if you're like trying to be like a rebel, like, oh, I'm going to go against this, it just lacks all of the vitality of like real shock rockers because part of it we know you're kind of just doing it to like troll people and you're doing it's there's a hint of that it not thing pisses me off more than those like MAGA hat dudes saying that it's punk to like Trump yeah that makes me so mad well there's a lot of things that make me mad okay but But that's what I'm saying yeah it makes me so mad and and like you're right they're being shocking for shocking sake and so I'm like now that you've said that doc I'm thinking well maybe they are punk of like a certain era that's over <laughs> i think it's also that like you know we have edgelord culture now so yeah. every person gets to be a shock rocker and that's why i think the new version of shock rock is uh i think it can be best explained like there's a wrestler uh called orange cassidy and his entire gimmick is he doesn't give a shit he wrestles with his hands in his pockets he is so fucking funny. That's the new version of Shock Rock. The new version of like I'm so edgy is I don't fucking care. That's it. It's no, not No, dude, that's apathy. That's all of us. Bro, it's apathy rock. <laughs> you apathy. guys just don't want to admit that the Marilyn Manson of the 2010s is the dude from Trapped. Ah! <laughs> well, 
Yeah, I don't I mean, know about any of that. There's always been that guy. The shock rocker. It's Kanye. Kanye. Okay. He yeah, can, yeah. Because he can go out there and do that, do all that stuff, piss all these people off, and he still has a number one album in the That's country. That's true. At least Kanye is a talented person, unlike the dude from Trapped. I guess who are we talking about? Well, who are we talking about? Who are we talking about shocking? Are we talking about shocking like your average person or the news or the people in power? At this point, Kanye you know? is not shocking. It's just, you know, I think it is mental illness. I think it is. I think to the black community, it's shocking that, you know, he would take that stance so outwardly. The hip hop community, I think it's shocking. Um, and the, the truth is, that is pop culture. And that is, you know, the the kind of mainstream, you know, if you go out and, you know, to, on the Golden Globe stage and be like, Trump 2020, they'll, they'll lynch you in the back. They, you know what I'm saying? Like, that is kind of good society. Is You know what I'm saying? There's a certain mindset, if that makes sense. Aren't, but aren't we, like, moving closer and closer to fascism every day? And so, therefore, yeah. someone saying Trump 2020 is actually more protected, even though people that feel that way are outnumbered? Like, yes, but I it, think it's, but it's much still more the minority opinion. to care about people and to be empathetic right now. But it's still the minority opinion amongst celebrities and that culture. Yeah, and minority as far as numbers, but not in power. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree yeah. with you. No, I totally get what you're saying, Shauna. But what Doc, I think, is saying, or at least with how it makes sense to me, is the whole concept of the shock rocker is to horrify people. Right. So even though it's shocking someone to have empathy or, or whatever, um, it's really, if you think about it, the people saying, okay, cancel this and cancel that are the equivalent to the PRMC, who was like, cancel Twisted Sister, cancel Judas mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's rapists. I'm like, good, yeah, cancel them. Fuck them. I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely, I don't like want to like disagree like we're in like a house meeting. We have to figure out who's doing the dishes tonight or anything. Yeah. Like, you know, but I agree, like maybe nothing can be shocking. I think that's actually more true. Like what the fuck could we be shocked about when our right. president is who he is doing all the fucked up shit he's doing every day? What could you do to shock me? I don't know. That's very true too. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, the biggest thing is because it's just, like, everything has happened. Like, this year has been, been has been, sh should be more shocking. We can't take any more shocks. Everybody calm down. We're like, Show Tom DeLonge found aliens. Whatever. Whatever. I, I didn't care at all when they were like, we might have found aliens. I was like, next. I took a video. I have video evidence of UFOs circling Atlantic City, and no one cares, guys. If this were last No one gives a shit. I still don't. You're gonna send me that video. You're telling me right now. I don't care. See? That's why apathy is the shock rock. That's what we want to see. We want to yeah. see people not give a shit. Because shock rock is also just what we wanted to see. We wanted to see fucking Marilyn Manson at that time. Because everything, yes. we just got out of the fucking Reagan era. Everything yeah, but... was so fucking uptight. We wanted anything else. And now we want anything else that isn't shocking. We don't fucking want any more shit. We don't want a cartoon president. It's not about what we want, what we don't want. It's just about what is getting people angry. What is riling people up. And that's what to me- But, it, but that's different than shocking. No, right. I don't think it is. Because I, I think that's different. reaction, whether it be from a group of people okay. who like metal, whether it be from some parents who are demanding, you know, my, get rid of any album with a parental advisory sticker. <laughs> to me, it just has evolved over the years. It went from Alice Cooper, who you look at now, and it's like, that's not shocking. It's normal. And, and I think that's a household name at this point where- or Twisted Sister or Marilyn Manson, household name at this point. So now you have this other people that are 
again, doesn't even matter about the name, if it's household or whatever, it's just inciting anger and rage from a group of people, whoever that might be. So that's to me what shock rock is. It's not about what we want, what we don't want to see. To me, it's just what's making people say cancel them, just like they did to Manson, just like they did to, to Twisted Sister. So that to me is, or, or what they've done in other countries to Behemoth or Gorgoroth. So to me, it's just saying that guy, they said something and it's, and it could suck. I'm not saying it does or doesn't. It's just to me, someone having the balls to go out there and say, I'm going to get up here right now and piss everyone off. That's shock rock. I think there's a difference between <laughs> when someone's saying something and it's like, there's some like mental illness here. That's something else that's going on. Some undiagnosed, whatever. And then I think like, uh, like Corey Taylor's new song, I think can be considered like a shock rock. Like he's trying to yes. piss a lot of people off. I'm not really sure who. Um, <laughs> Who's this for? I like Slipknot. I think, I think Slipknot rules i th it's a lot of fun from this video like i know i noticed like one thing is i i think cory taylor has been famous for way too long you can tell he has a lot of yes men because like no one told him that fedoras are not cool that dude is wearing a fedora all the time and he has a good <laughs> head of hair and no one's being like no don't do that you could take the early 2000s out of the man, but you just can't take the man out of the early 2000s. <laughs> Late 90s, please. <laughs> now you're hat shaming. You're hat shaming, guys. Right. I am. He looks like a jewel pen. <laughs> I have a confession. I heard, I heard the first song, the one with the video with the wrestling belt. When it started, I was like, oh, no. And then midway through, I was like, look, the Midwest now knows about uh, Kid Bookie, who's British as hell. I loved hearing British voice rapping. There was a good riff in it. He's, I don't know, he's writing, the whole point of it was to be Radio Rock. So I'm like, success. Oh, yeah. oh you're, you couldn't be, you guys are so wrong. There's a, there's that Radio Rock has got rappers on there. I'm, listen, I'm on the radio, radio okay? Rocking, again, early 2000s. No, no, yeah. all right. So let so, so here's the thing. So again, I am not, you know, biased here. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Corey, his wife, good, good people. And you're not biased. Okay. Good. I am not, I am, I am biased. I mean, you know what I mean? I am biased. Oh, no. <laughs> biased. Um, but no, uh, He's mega biased. Okay. Listen, I'll tell you this. First time I heard that song, I was like, it was a, it was not what I expected. I saw his solo band not that long ago and they were doing super obscure, weird rock songs. Like it was not mainstream or pop or anything like that. And so I was caught completely by left field. I personally do not love the song, but I, I like it more. It's almost like when the other rappers are on there, it, yeah, makes, yeah, yeah. it makes more sense. Exactly. And I just feel like some of his verses, you know, Corey, I love you, but it was a little, this, just you need a little more flow. The flow was flowing on some of the, some some of the parts, but despite it not being my cup of tea, I think that people are talking about it. And in today's day and age, you need to just just doing something crazy and bombastic. I think gets attention, and so I think in 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 a sense of it, it's like it is a kind of fuck you. I can do whatever I want, and I felt like doing this because he can be really indie and underground. And I think and the other track was very much. Typical of what I thought his solo thing would be. And I think there's probably gonna be a lot of that. But I think this was like a big, I don't care. I'm gonna do something out of left field, over the top, 
And you know what? I can do that. And don't you feel like most musicians, people that aren't actual musicians uh, or touring musicians are almost surprised that we like different kinds of music than what we play? Yes. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like it's weird. It's weird for them to, to, to really get that. And, and you kind of have to like almost explain if we only liked one kind of thing, like our band would fucking suck. We're only good at all because we all like different shit and we bring it all together and, and like mishmash it together, right? Because rock has already happened. Everything under the rock and roll umbrella yeah. already exists. So you're just, you're just kind of judging it in a different way. I do admire when people um, have a new band or a new project and it's just something that they want to do. Like I, I would never hate on anyone for being like, I want to do this right now. Like, I think that's actually really cool. I don't care about half-naked ladies dancing in a rock video. There's absolutely nothing course, shocking yeah, about that to me at all. Cause that's like, you might as well be talking about the food is bad on airlines. It's like, okay, next, yeah, yeah. got it. Otherwise I'm like, do you, man, that's cool, whatever. By the way, that the dancers are his wife's wife. like burlesque group. So it's like, oh, well, now I'm just the feminist killjoy because I didn't know that. <laughs> they are the fairy bombs. That's his wife's burlesque troupe. Um, yeah. yeah, they've actually opened for a lot of metal bands. Steel Panther, obviously, like, I, I think just Stone Sour. <laughs> and They're really talented. Uh, but to I me, love calling them a burlesque troupe. They are. The what do you really call funny. them? Yeah. What do you call them? I don't know why. It does imply something extra. Like some they are, there. though. They're, they make their own costumes. Hey, they Jordan, coordinate their stop dancing. warring on women. <laughs> no, I'm warring on troops. There's improv troops. That is a, they're a team. And it's definitely like T-R-O-U-P-E, right? Corey Taylor actually has done a song with Tech 9 before. He was on Tech 9 song Withered. And Tech 9 has performed at uh, Rock on the Range. So he's actually pretty known entity already in the world of Corey Taylor. And NotFest too, right? Yes, he also played NotFest, that is correct, yes. Can we talk about the guest appearances real quick? Did you see all the people, like that's the beauty, I guess, of quarantine, getting like Nurgle and Oteb and members of Anthrax to just video in and, and just like- Rob Halford! Rob Halford to make a cameo in your video. That was sick. What the fuck, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. But as for the song itself, I think it makes sense because this is the era that Slipknot came from that Corey Taylor's roots are in. And these are the fans that he's going to appeal to the most are fans of this type of music. And it's funny because at first I heard the song, I'm like, okay, I cannot, I'm not listening to this again. Then I listened to the second single. The one that we're already talking about is called CMFT, Corey motherfucking Taylor must be stopped. This one, I was like, I don't like it. I listened to the other song, remind me a little bit more of like what he does with Stone Sour, but I I found that one forgettable. So now that I think about like the bold songs in context now as we talk about them, uh, I guess that really was a great first, like I'm not gonna forget that video or that song. That so was my whole point. That was my whole point is that it's an attention grabber. I think it is for sure. The second song, however, it was a lyric video so I could see all the words and it kind of reminded me, do you guys watch Party Down? Oh yeah. Okay, do you remember when Kyle's band <laughs> plays the wedding and they accidentally are singing a song about white supremacy. Oh shit. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I mostly just remember the Gutenberg vid uh, episode, but yeah. Yeah, there's like all of the lyrics in that song are like, we're gonna blonde our hair and blue our eyes. And they, that was in this song. And I was like, oh, I don't think that that's where you were going, but you're singing about Europe and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Just a bit. Uh, I know. Th I know that that's what it wasn't actually about. I just thought it was funny. <laughs>
Wait a second. So you're saying not everything we've said in this episode is true when we get a laugh? Got it. Better be funny. <laughs> All right. We're talking about Black Veil Brides. Restitch these wounds. I, uh... I get it, but I don't get it. It's wrestling music. I've heard a million bands that sound like this. Uh, is it because they look like anime guy? Is that why it's big? Is because they write an Avenged Sevenfold riff and they they're, look like they're anime and that's it? They're one of the leftover MySpace bands. So I think people are still clinging on to 2005, like real hard. And not there weren't, like there were some real respectable bands that came from the MySpace era, like Job for a Cowboy. They, like, John Rice. They, like, yeah. There's like some like great bands that came out of that era. So, uh, but now it's just suicide silence, you know? But uh, this was not one of them, but you know what? Hey, if you're an older person, you want to know what it was like to be on MySpace in 2005, like listen to this band. Have I got the band for you. <laughs> yeah. well, MySpace did not have this production value, but. I think, well, I think this is a little unfair. So what this action is record is, is a re-record of a 2010 record. So that's Is why it? it's, oh. it, it's, it's, it has that sound. So I listen, I, I'm always going to call out what I see as a little bit of hypocrisy, right? So we just, so we had another record as part of this whole thing called High Spirits, right? Very Maiden-esque, right? But like I said, the, the aesthetic musically has a little bit of that, that 70s vibe, that hipster vibe that, you know, I'm going down a couple of bell bottoms and we're kind of okay with that band ripping off some Maiden. But I think a band like this, that's at the heart of it. It's got the, you know, the harmonized guitar leads and it's got all the, it is very event sevenfold esque, but probably a little more metal sounding. But uh, I've never been like a super big Black Veil fan, but I actually like this and it sounds really good. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things. I think sometimes I think your eyes lie to you, right? So you see them as anime dudes, you're like, you ah, they're your whack. eyes a lot. You know, they're they're whack. And it's like but if, maybe if you could remove that, and they're one of those bands that like gets hated on a lot because of their image by more like normal metal people. Like there was this big uh, viral clip of them accepting an award. I want to say at, at Revolver or somewhere, and like people are booing, and they're like, and the lead singer just like rips into the crowd, just like, "Yo, you can hate on us all you want, but we're kicking ass and." whatever you know and so and they should do that are you talking yeah, about I, justin bieber didn't he do that <laughs> i mean oh we're talking about this band <laughs> andy black's pretty good looking all right he is the bieber of metal <laughs> I, I didn't say it you did <laughs> i don't not like i i don't not like people that look like anime people i watch drag race all the time i love a weird queen i love cold cave give me Give me the anime, but I want it to be a little bit right. I don't like I don't like this version of it. This is a little bit of me judging a book by its cover, but I got exactly what I expected from this. <laughs> and it, I love a guitar harmony. I love a riff, but I think it's like I don't know. There's something that's that's not not clicking in the right way for for me uh, in this. I didn't love the High Spirits album either. But yeah, I think, can, can I prove that I'm not a hypocrite by saying neither of these albums were made yeah. for me in yeah. any way? I like the I like high spirits. <laughs> the high spirit one, I, I I thought that was like our weekly European pick of the week because again, yeah. like I feel there's something about this I appreciate where uh, it has that like power metally. But they're from Chicago. Trick, but they're from Chicago. But they sound so European. 
they're so like theatrical and, and like it's the closest thing we have right now in lockdown. Give us this <laughs> illusion that they're Chicago from Europe. Europe now. <laughs> That's, we'll take what we could get. There's a travel band. <laughs> well, you know, you know what I say about the High Spirit album? It was like the first time out of all the kind of I'd say the the newer bands, the kind of more unexposed bands, that I think they have a legitimate hit song on this album. Really? A song called Voice in the Wind. It literally sounds like it could be like Volbeat meets Social Distortion, kind of like like I think it. I think there's something there. So if any of the people from that band are listening or their record label, that's your next single. All right, tell them Doc Quill sent you. Damn. <laughs> yeah, you got a doctor's third name. person. See that? <laughs> they sound like prescription name to rock. I know a guy. <laughs> How have we not made more? Doc? I, I I assume that you've just gotten doctor jokes your entire life, so. No, I just get the what's up, Doc, like uh, uh, Bugs Bunny bullshit. Okay. Yeah. What's your PhD in? Fuckery. There you go. <laughs> All right. Imperial Triumphant, Alphaville. Give me this shit, this weird shit, the John Cage escape plan. Give it to me. This fucking <laughs> no, Fucking... Okay chaos this entire record i loved it it was eerie it's like the sound it's just it's the sonic equivalent of like a matthew barney movie i love this put all of the that was one thing that was on the Corey taylor video i heard flute what in his main single with the video there was flute there was no shot of the flute player at all (laughs) fuck that put the flute player in your video man Show us the flute. <laughs> this is the thing. If Imperial Triumphant made a video, dude, it would absolutely be a dude with a weird gold mask playing the flute, going off, being <laughs> Aqualung. Feeling good as hell. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. I want to see a show with Imperial Triumphant and Lizzo. That would fucking yeah. kick ass. Yes. She'd, be, yeah. she'd rip it up. <laughs> you could literally just let her play flute on the song and no one would know any different because this is Lizzo, fucking... open invitation next time Warren Women plays. Come on up. Flute it out. Flute it out with <laughs> I'm me. Going to that go. Show. Yes. You are choreographed dance thing? Yeah, I love this record. I think right now we're seeing an influx in the term avant-garde being applied to a lot of these metal and black metal bands that are coming out now. For instance, Aranzi Pazuzu. Mm. where they just don't really fit in there. Yeah, they're black metal. There's, they got those icy riffs from time to time and these real bold choruses or, or bold um, vocals. But uh, you, you still can't really put it in a box because it's got some jazzy influences. It's chaotic. Like, you, you, I love that you keep saying, giving the Dillinger Escape Plan reference because you can't compare the two. They're still totally different sounds, but they have that exact same aesthetic musically where they have that, chaos and that mathematical jazzy uh it's just it's i really appreciate this band i'm definitely sick of generic black metal because i listen to so much of it like if i listen to it it needs to be good or special and this is one of those bands and i'm like oh yeah this is different this is a little more special and uh this isn't and like anything else that i have like spinning right now yeah, it, it's it's funny because I, I went into listening to this because when Zach was on the show, I hadn't heard the band before. And you were you keep using the term black metal and I had an idea of this when going into it, and it doesn't sound like black metal to me at all. They sound like a technical death metal band to me. Um, like more along the lines of like Gorguts, 
kind of mixed with this band from Chicago called Yakuza. I don't know if you guys know know mm. them at all. So like voc- vocally specifically, it's to me are death metal vocals. Musically, it's just a little too like um, musiciany for me to be black metal. And black because black metal, I think, is is a little more about it's not about showing off. It's about the vibe and the attitude. So I think it it, it kind of like so maybe the priming of it kind of threw threw me off a little bit, and I was expecting something different because it didn't feel like like black metal to me. And it doesn't mean it wasn't good, but for me, it's it's a it's a grower. I'm gonna have to go back to it. It really didn't grab me the first few listens, but um. Clearly, they're making some some waves. So, you know, what do I know? No, but you know, you're right. It's hard to black metal is the closest genre connection you can make, or maybe progressive metal. Even I think I just think it sounds more like death metal. I just think they're image. I think having a cool name and a different. This is what I was saying before about how image tricks you. You know what I'm saying? If I show, you know, it's like, you know, refuse looks like they could be one of those the the bands, right? But they sound like a hardcore band, right? So it's that, that. having a look associated with the genre, I think actually, you know, it's like the culture of it almost matters more than the sound, you know? That's such a good example. I actually never think about the inverse. I always think about how funny it is to me that a band will be like, we're fucking hard because we look tough. And then I'm like, okay, so like, she's my cherry pie. Like, what? (laughs) But I never think about the fact that like the... The refused who are fucking angry and have shit to say and are heavy are dressed like lounge singers and so it makes it seem even more like whoa you know uh and so i guess i need to go talk to a publicist about our band or something (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing listen all the girls need big glasses okay Okay, got it one (laughs) can i still wear jean shorts that's all i substitute t-shirt chic <laughs> yes, just please, for the love of God, everyone here, if you're going to wear something on stage, sweatpants is never acceptable, ever. No matter who you Deal. are. And you're Unless you're Andrew WK, because he's been doing that for 30 years. Yeah. And Lars wears jeggings. So, jeggings. He, he, okay, well. he used to wear sweatpants. I think when they invented the jet, like, he's like, wait, this stretches? This is fine. Worst no, he was the first person I ever saw in real life that wore jeggings. I went to a Metallica concert. And he was wearing jeggings before I even knew what they were, before they were making the cover of every celebrity talk show magazine. This story is not interesting. I'm sorry. But <laughs> it, had, it had fake yellow stitching even. No. Because he didn't want no. anyone to know that they weren't blue jeans. Oh my. And I was like, I bet Whoa. he's comfy, though. I yep. bet he's comfy. So happy birthday, James Hetfield. Listen, in all fairness, just real quick, there's like a clothing hierarchy. And I would say jeggings are still ahead of a fedora. But a fedora is still ahead of sweatpants. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Can we all agree? Listen, we just we gotta put. We love Corey Taylor. We gotta put him on Celebrity dra- Drag Race. We gotta. Yeah. We gotta get. We gotta make your <laughs> eyes something. Yes. Yeah. Because he's so handsome and he's got a good head of hair. You do. Why are you wearing a hat all the time? I'm mad at that because <laughs> mine's gonna go bye bye in three years. <laughs> We're talking about what is and what is not black metal. I think that drought. The album uh, from Drought, excerpts from a dead liturgy. I think that's more of a black metal album. It had, but it has black metal production, but it's got more riffs. It's even got some more flashiness mm. than you'd normally see in a black metal. But I kind of liked it. I liked that they were like 
pushing uh, the envelope a little bit. I like when anyone does anything with black metal and it's not just totally black metal. Like even like I love like later Dark Throne when it's a little more punk, when it's got something else in it. For me, it's like you've heard one poorly recorded black metal album. That's kind <laughs> of all of them. It just kind of is. I, I liked it. It's not my favorite genre in the world, um, but I, I liked it. I liked the artwork. Um, I thought it was cool. I don't have a ton to say about it, Um, but I put it on while I was doing computer work and I was like getting work done. So that's all I need to know about that record. All right. Angry uh, black metal beats to do work to. I love traditional black metal kind of in almost all of its forms. I would say this album, I I think the one thing I didn't like about it, every song would start and I'd be like, I'm on board, guys. You got me. You got me, right? But then every song I think was like four minutes too long. And yeah. So, yeah, they were like eight minutes long. So I would right? I would put it on, I'd be into it, and then I would kind of drift off and like stop paying attention to it. So it would kind of lose me. Um, so I think the the central idea of the band is is fantastic. But one one of the things I was thinking about that really it was like a real macro kind of feeling I had about underground metal right now i think uh in a big picture i think it's leaning too much on the past i think there's this real like make metal great again like man everything was better in 81 everything was better in 92 like almost every underground band seems like their record came out in like 93 or 87 it is like this nostalgia thing like man wasn't it so much better back when you know, Dark Throne first came out or Obituaries album came out. I don't know. There's like something there and it's, it's not, doesn't mean the music is bad. It's not. It's great. I, I love the way it sounds. It puts you in the right mood. But I do think it's this thing that's gonna, that holds collectively the scene back, this inability to kind of get out of these golden era of extreme. I would say was, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of genres. Like we, we've kind of seen, and maybe we're already at the end of a nineties yeah. resurgence. And I think it touched on Cyclical. a lot of different genres of music. And I was like, I was there. I'm good. I don't need this. You know, like I'm fine. Uh, but, but I agree. It's like uh, cool. So what else? But, but yeah. there's always some younger generation that hasn't heard that stuff. That's going to stream those songs and, and, and get them, get those bands big enough or whatever you know i don't know who i'm talking about but get them big enough to where they can go see them play never oh i feel triggered now thanks <laughs> sorry i i agree there are so many bands that are just going like straight to, to like we want to sound like that. like so many bands do the hm2 pedal sound the chainsaw guitar sound they all do it i thought it was cool when i heard like black breath do it but now i'm like what else do you have so i'm always excited to see who's gonna take those sounds like i'm excited to see bands like Vane. they're obviously influenced by that like early 2000s hardcore scene but they also are taking production techniques and like weird sounds from like early slipknot records and they're shoving Mm. them together and i think that we're gonna keep seeing that band evolve I'm excited to see people who are, you know, picking their influences uh, creatively to hopefully eventually build something new. Yeah. I mean, that's the art like yeah. now, right? Because it has all been done. That's the, that's the art part. Of it. We got a crushing new single from Macedon, Fallen Tortures. It's off of uh, a Rarities album they're putting out on 
9-11 uh, called <laughs> medium rarities. Uh, Why did you pause like that when you said 9-11? Uh, I don't nine eleven sixty nine four twenty. That's why. Perfect. If you've been wanting more old school Macedon in your Macedon, here it is. Uh, this is uh, this is a riff that just sounds like a horse kicking you in the face, and I know what that feels like because a horse has kicked <laughs> me in the face. Yeah, I love it. What do you guys think? I always prefer the heavier Macedon. Not that I don't enjoy their. I mean, they're they're a band that's so versatile. They could be groovy. They could be heavy. Um, but definitely for me, I lean towards like the heavier stuff. So I really dug this because I felt it definitely leaned more that way. So I was into it. I honestly think it's one of the best Rassadon songs I've ever heard. Like, and the funny thing is, I didn't know it was off the a Rarities album. So I thought it was, I thought this was like new. And I was like, yo, these dudes are just pulling the old sound out of their back pocket. Like, yo, we can do this whenever we want, all right? It's not a game, all right? We just we just choose to do this, what we can bring. So I didn't realize that. So I, mean, I was giving a little too much credit, but I didn't oh, no, you can this is This was recorded like just months ago. Okay, well, never mind. So it is new, but I listened to it and I immediately had to listen to it again. And it's, I, I, I literally, I'm not joking. I think it's one of the best Mastodon Mat- songs, or at least one of my favorites. I mean, yeah, they're Already. a great band. There's not too much to say, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not fair. Like, they don't make bad albums. They don't, I just, you know, I don't know how they do it. Maybe it's peyote. I don't know. We need, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I, I want some of the mojo. Give it to me. I think it's, it has to do with what Chana uh, was talking about, because they are all very different dudes. Like, each one of them, has so much of their own interests. Like, literally, Brent is out here talking about how he doesn't even like metal anymore. And that, you could, fuck it, put it in the music. You don't <laughs> like that shit? Great. Yeah, make your own metal. Make the metal you want to hear. That's what, I mean, that's what we do. We, we write the music that we would want to hear and, and no one was doing it. We were like, all right, well, we'll just do it. Fine, fuck it. Yeah. Best advice we've ever gotten on this show. Make the music you want to hear. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Speaking of music people want to hear, D. Snyder put out a live album uh, called For the Love of Metal. Oi, for the love of metal. Um, <laughs> listen, when was this recorded? Recently. Recently. I actually believe I read something that it's uh, from various shows that happened over a various period of time. Uh, I don't think it was at any one performance. Let me double check, but I well, am he, like... My during the concert... He, t- he speaks to Bloodstock, which is a festival in the UK. Mm. So I just presumed it was all from one. But so just to give a little background, you know, uh, Jamie Josta, my homie from, from Hatebreed, he essentially orchestrated and helped write and produce the D. Snyder solo album comeback thing. So oh, wow. I think it's also the same name for the love of metal. Yeah, the, the album. And so the live set is basically a mix of this stuff from this album, which is more kind of aggressive and modern to a degree. And then I guess some Twisted Sister hits kind of strewn through throughout. And so and I've got easy in there because fucking why not, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so it's but it's funny but he had this kind of vision for D to do this more metal heavier kind of thing but it's like me like my sensibilities I kind of wish it would have gone even more over the top like I want him singing over some stuff sounds like Halloween or like Symphony X just like crazy yeah. over the top but what I'll say is I think you know he could. Yeah. No, I yeah. think it sounds I think it sounds awesome. 
the lead guitar player in this is like smoking, sounds so good, and his voice sounds great. But it's funny, yeah. it, th it throws me off because I can hear the stuff that Josta wrote because <laughs> I know his melodies yeah. and cadences. I'm like, that just sounds like Josta on there. I hear you, boy. <laughs> that I actually I didn't know that because I was listening to this and I was like, he's. What is he? He's singing over Hatebreed. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounded like. There's like the trem guitar. I was like, this fucking kind of kicks ass. And he sounds great. People talk a lot of shit about D for a lot of unjustified music. I kill him. Yeah, we're coming after you because D Snyder sounds exactly like D Snyder still. There are singers from decades ago that have aged and like you accept what their voice sounds like. Now, like yeah. I, that, like how I talk about like Danzig, like Danzig sounds like a sixty-year-old Danzig, and yeah. that's fine. Let him age. It. Let him age. It's fine. Let True. him fucking age. But D. Snyder sounds exactly like D. Snyder. He can still because he doesn't drink and he's in shape. I was gonna yeah. say clean living. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that man is sixty-five <laughs> years old. He looks exactly the same that he's looked all like his whole life. Almost. Yeah. He still has all of his hair. Yeah. yeah, all his brain cells. <laughs> I will say uh, this album hurt my feelings a little bit because I, I hear a live album and I'm like, oh, I miss live music. Like, I'm not oh, yeah. a little triggered. Um, but I love this album. I actually wasn't really familiar too much with D. Snyder's solo stuff until I heard this album. And I thought it was pretty cool. But for me in particular, the highlights of this album was he did an ACDC cover, which was really dope. And then he did a couple of Twisted Sister songs and two of my favorites in particular, Burn in Hell and Under the Blade are on there. So mm -hmm. for me, that Kiwi. was it. Yeah, and there's totally- Kiwi. Yeah. That song fucking rules. That song fucking rules. <laughs> it does. I'm excited just thinking about it. Dude, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, underrated. Uh, and Twisted Sister's underrated song, kicked ass on That's this right. album. Yeah, this album totally, there's a little something for everyone, whether you're a classic Twisted Sister fan, whether you're a D Snyder fan, whether you're a Hatebreed fan, or an ACDC <laughs> fan. You got a little something for everyone. Just a good job, you kicked ass. Yeah, Just seriously, props to your dude. You also, like, so if you guys listen to Joss's podcast, what he'll do is he'll have dudes come on, ladies come on, and then he just like, he's like the businessman, so he just has all, the, he pitches them ideas, and he'll like, and this one, like, he literally pitched this to D on his show, and then he went and actually did it. Like, a lot of people talk a lot of junk, but Josta follows through, mm -hmm. and I think it's awesome, and, it, and he's so, like, just invested in cool things happening for people that he respects and loves, and getting and putting his hand on the wheel, and, and it's like, you're just putting the positive energy back into the scene, and it's all cyclical and awesome. It just, it, it, it's very inspiring to me. That's, yeah, that's for sure. Well, that does it for us here at Last Words. I'm uh, Jordan Olds. You please, please follow Two Minutes to Late Night at Two Minutes to Late Night on Instagram at 2M2LN on Twitter. Speaking of Jamie Josta, we just had him on the show covering Misfits with Max Weinberg from the E Street Band, Frank from My Chemical Romance, Ben from Dillinger Escape. Who let this happen? Why did this happen? Anyway, Katie. You can find me at Merciful Kate on Twitter and Instagram. Doc. And you can find me at Doc Coyle on all, all platforms, www.doccoyle.net. And I want to be on some of them tracks with, with Max Weinbergs and all them. <laughs> or I'm calling, I'm calling Farrakhan. I'm calling. Yes. Who else I call? Jesse Jackson. I'm, I'm getting some yes. people to come for me. Educate some folks. That's right.
let them know. Wait, I want, wait, yes, let's do a song with Jesse Jackson. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Where can the people find you? Do you want to talk a little bit about Making Spaces Safer? Nah, I want you to read about it. Uh, go buy Making Spaces Safer on akpress.org because everyone deserves to have a good time when you're out and about, even if there's a pandemic. It doesn't matter. No one deserves harassment or assault for being who they are. Uh, or you can follow me at Shauna Potter Wow on Twitter and Instagram or check out shaunapotter.com for all the haps, including all the weird Van Halen covers Jordan makes me do. <laughs> that do be how it is. Um <laughs> And if you want to see what we looked like while we had this conversation, go to our YouTube page, check it out. Uh, we all dressed up real nice as best as we could in the demic. It's worth your time. All right, be sure to follow the pit on all social media at We Are the Pit. Um, we, if there's something we forgot to talk about this week, let us know in the comments. We will read them, and we will talk about it. We're here every Thursday talking about the goings on of the metal universe, even though everyone is at home all the time. All right, goodbye. Get out of here. Boy, just sandwich.